Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanel, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey, welcome to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and I'm here with my friend Kristen King. Welcome. Hi, thank you. So great to have you, Kristen. I will say Melissa is unfortunately sick tonight, so it is just the two of us. She's convalescing on her sick bed. Um, <laughs> now, Kristen is a local harpist, which is incredible. We've met each other out a few times. We have a lot of musician friends in common. Um, I, I did kind of want to ask, do you think that that's, I mean, the whole nature of uh, music is just that it's, you know, groups and people know each other and there's all these ties together. Do you think it's unusual to Savannah that everybody is so connected, connected. together and friends? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that are very unique, almost anomalies to Savannah that, you know, sometimes I describe it as the wild, wild west, you know, the, the normal quote unquote rules of engagement or how things run are different here. Everything to the point of like when people are looking for jobs, right? Oh. You know, in other cities, you know, it's you do your LinkedIn profile. Not that people don't do that here, but I feel like Savannah is way, way much more word of mouth and connections, oh. people to people connections. Um, it's almost like that has more weight in the connecting process yeah. than a formal resume or something on like Indeed or whatever, you know, yeah. website to look for or a job. people listening to you on Spotify or Apple. Absolutely. Or so the connectedness, and I mean, outside of the music world, I'm just saying across the board in Savannah, yeah. like how Savannah operates. To me, as not a Savannah native, it, it is unique and it, it's an adjustment. But I think that the way that things are done here are definitely outside of like the traditional scope of operations. I wonder how much of that is just that we you know we have such a drinking culture here mm-hmm. and going out at night and just mm-hmm. all the socializing and everything. I, I that but then also the way that I think how people get connected with each other and then you know what's the joke about like who's your family? Oh. You know like the the deeper connections and connections with Institutions and organizations. Yes, and the long-time Savannian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that. But then specifically to your point about the music community, this, I mean, I feel, first of all, very, very grateful that I, not that anything was handed to me or anything, but I met my business partner, Ricardo Ochoa, in 2004, months before I even moved here. I was planning on moving here, but I met Ricardo, and I have a lot of, like, moments where I look back, and I look at different relationships in my life, and different stepping stones, or milestones, or successes, or whatever, fill in the blank, and a lot of those I can tie back to Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. And I've tried to pay that forward with other people as well, and help in whatever capacity I can connect other people and get them dialed into the Savannah community because there's a lot of people that are coming from a mindset of this works in the rest of the world and it's like Savannah's a little bit different I think that's very true in the visual arts as well yeah and And so with the musicians um, too I think because we're not we're not New York you know we're 
a reasonably smaller town. Yeah. It's not so uh, cutthroat. No, it's not cutthroat. And I think that we are all looking out for each other. There's enough work to go around. We're not trying, you know, it's not nothing to knock Nash- Nashville or anything, yeah. but you know, if you're trying to make it as a musician there, you're playing a lot of like basically free gigs for tips. Oh. Because if okay. you're not going to play it, there's somebody else that's going oh, to. Interesting. Yeah. And here we don't have that type of like influx of musicians coming to Savannah thinking like it's not I'm not going to become a star. Yeah. You know what I you mean? You know, Maggie and Jackson mentioned this too. Just um they Maggie and Jackson Evans said this too that there is a culture here of people being paid properly for gigs, which is amazing. Um, also, and I think we've had to work really hard to get that though, because yeah. there's I still love this one meme that's out there, and it like it's a Back to the Future reference, and it's like came back from the future, and people still want to pay a hundred dollars for a gig, oh. you know, like for <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, the cost of everything has gone up over yeah. the years. This is normal. But you still get people that say, oh, well, I just want to pay $100 for this. Right, right, right. Well, I would love to go to the grocery store and buy a filet mignon and only spend $10 on it. But that's not, that's not realistic. So there's always that struggle of subjectivity because you're talking about a service. And, you know, you have some people that don't bat an eye because they value yeah. your work product. They value your artistic creations, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And then you have other people that are like, I want the filet, but I only want to pay the price of a hamburger, you know? And there's no convincing them otherwise. They want everything. Yeah, yeah. But at this price. And Kristen, you play the harp, so you're a filet. No, oh, thank totally. you. <laughs> also, this is, we, we've just like gone zero to 60, mm. like deep into this. I, I'm gonna, totally me, I'm sorry. No, no, this is amazing. I'm going to back up a little bit and do some more intro questions because I just need to impress upon everybody. Kristen plays the harp. It is amazing. It is so cool. Thank you. Um, and we're going to talk about your physical harp because I figure if I have questions about this, then everybody else does too. Um, just to start with, so you have a bachelor's degree in music, right? Correct. When did you choose? the harp as your instrument? I was four, and I saw a harpist at the Detroit Institute of Arts. I grew up in the suburb of Detroit, and um, and I have a twin brother, and my mom, the majority of her career was a kindergarten teacher, so she was like this nurturing educator, like, not saying my parents didn't say no to us, <laughs> but no, plenty of times. My dad was an, was an engineer for his career, and got an MBA later on, was in upper level, like, executive management with Chrysler. Um, But thankfully, when I was four and I said, I want to play that, they didn't say no or that's really big and ridiculous or anything. So my mom actually did some research. I started piano at five and then started harp lessons at seven. Is that piano is sort of the natural entry to it? Yeah, kind of a prerequisite. Because of the strings and all the keys and things? Not the strings. um, Just reading music and getting getting familiar with reading treble and bass clef Mm. and then, but not having the technical, the additional technical challenges of the harp because the harp is very much a technique with form position not yeah. to say the piano isn't but there's a way to play you can play piano like harp if you think about the physics basically of if we were in visual right now you'd be able to tell but just the plucking of strings like 
you can have really strong hands and make a nice tone on the harp. But it's just like tennis, right? The follow-through of the backswing or, like, through the tennis. Like, when you're playing, you need to be closing your hand completely. It's it's a lot of... Yeah. It's muscle memory. It's just a lot more to it than piano. There's a lot yeah. more. So it's a lot more than just reading notes and knowing where to do that. And then plus the technicality of you know, learning a pedal harp where you have seven pedals yeah. that you're manipulating while you're playing and doing all that stuff. So Do they make harps for children? Yeah. So there's definitely um, smaller harps. I started out on a lever harp, which um, you have to manually change sharps and flats but it means that you tune like your f's and your c's to be natural and so you can make those sharps those are like the first two in the order of making sharps and flats okay so and then b's e's a's usually you tune to be natural with the lever up so that you can make them flat but again that means that if you have an accidental in the middle of a song you're literally taking your hand and like moving the lever while you're playing as opposed to if you're playing with both your hands and you can do that with your feet yeah You're completely freed up and you have a, it opens your world of repertoire possibilities so for the harp yeah you're doing things with your feet and then there's a lot with your hands mm-hmm. not just the strings but also this other stuff yeah um let's see oh i wanted to ask uh so your harp is it's beautiful it's like a work of art there's carvings in it there's painting in it how where did you originally buy this harp so the harp was made um by lion healy which is in most people's opinion, the best harp maker. Okay. Definitely my opinion. Um, all my harps are Lion and Healy harps. Uh, made in Chicago. Um, so that was my first pedal harp. And we actually bought... His name's Harold. And um, we bought him from a woman who retired um, as a harpist. She lived in Indianapolis. So the harp was made in the 70s. Okay. And normally... So harps, unlike violins, cellos, string instruments... You know, like, Ricardo plays a violin that's, like, 200 years old. Harps don't get better with age. So, a brand-new harp is, like, that's oh, what that's you want. Oh, that's the best. Okay. Um, so, it's like a car. It just gets worse over time. Yes. Do violins get better over yes. time? Yes. That's cool. So, it's very different. So, all the pressure and the tension from the strings onto the sounding board, eventually, old harps, you can look down from the neck of the harp and look down and see, and the, the sounding board is bowed. Okay. Um, so... My harp we bought in 1994, my freshman year of high school, and then in 1996, it fell backwards, and like the neck of it hit the hardwood floor of my parents' house, cracked, we had to, we drove it to Chicago, it took six months to repair. Wow. So we got a rental in the meantime, Um, but it ended up being a blessing because um, the deductible on my insurance for the instrument, I think it was like $500 or something. And then they, they had to disassemble the whole harp, but then they rebuilt the entire sounding board, which okay. extended its life. Yeah. So, so it's like being, restarted. Yeah. It was a great blessing after I got over it. I'm pretty sure I had preventilated. I don't know. It was bad. <laughs> I bet. It was really bad. Um, what kind of um, so what kind of upkeep do you have to do to it now? Is there somewhere I know that there's that Benedetto's guitar place in town that's that high end. Pl- I mean, is there like tune ups that you have to do the harp all the time? So yeah, the the quote unquote tune up. It's more than a tune up, but it's not a complete overhaul. But it's funny that you use that language because that's what I try to explain to people. So you get your harp regulated, 
which is basically um, there are technicians that travel the world regulating harps. Oh. And they are trained in, like, with wine and Healy in Chicago yeah. and stuff like that. So, so someone comes to town. Yes, or to the area okay. in general. So a couple months ago, I took it. I took my harps to Bluffton, and this guy, Jason, just gets a hotel room for a couple days and harpists from Hilton Head, Bluffton, South yeah. Carolina, sometimes, like, North Florida, Savannah. We all, you just schedule times, and it takes This is incredible. <laughs> I know. And then... Um, nobody ever, I, I mean, nobody could ever guess that this was going on. <laughs> network of well, people traveling with their, A, just that there's many people playing their harps, and that they're going to this guy, and he's got this line of people in his hotel room to regulate their harps. Yep. So and, cool. In the past, I have my, my favorite harp regulator, Ivan, um, he lives in, um, he lives in Virginia, um, and he, I've hosted him before, and so he just kind of sets up shop, he's set up shop in my house before. Okay. And, um, it's great, but one time this girl pulled up, she was coming from, I think she was coming from Orlando. And you don't have to regulate lever harps. It's the regulation is for pedal harps. So it's basically to make sure that every time, like if I hit my C sharp pedal, every C string becomes sharp to the same degree capacity as each other, and they all okay. stay in tune with each other in that. So it's it's really something that you do every two years. When COVID happened, I like I was due for regulation like right before or right after oh, COVID happened. Yeah. And so my poor heart was like miserable. But um, just like people getting back on their physicals. I know, right? Mind. It's yeah. crazy. And um, but my guy Ivan, I was him, and this girl shows up from Orlando, and she pulls up in a Prius, and I'm like, there's no way there's a concert harp in this Prius. Okay. But she was short enough that she had her seat, her driver's seat, oh. pushed, like far enough, <laughs> the heart and she figured out how to fit in there. I was shocked. But, um, yeah, and, and Harpist, I mean, it's a, it's a unique sub-community. Um, definitely a sub-community amongst musicians, too. Yes. Like, I don't know. I don't even want to say, like, misunderstood because it's not what I mean at all. But I just feel like there's, like, the harp is, and it's not the redhead stepchild either. No. It's just, like, the harp. People don't really understand. You said you're, like, the goth yeah. teenager. You're, like, the misunderstood people. <laughs> So I love this. So yeah. So if you choose the harp, you also have to get like your car. You have to choose a car that's going to fit your totally. harp. Totally. So it's when a my whole parents, life thing. My parents bought my first pedal harp for me. They told me later on that our neighbors were like, "So can she also drive it? Because it was that expensive. Like it's just a very expensive yeah, exactly. instrument. Yeah. Like it does it fold like, out into like, a small studio apartment? Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I totally pick the cars based on the harp. And, yeah. Um, there's a funny story. My, I mentioned my dad worked for Chrysler, and so we always had, like, a practical, like, a minivan, whatever. My twin brother and I, and then we had a fun car. Sometimes it was a convertible. <laughs> and um, I w- was part of a harp ensemble. There's, like, 16 harpists. This was when I was in high school. Wow. But not old enough to drive. And um, we had a rehearsal for our holiday concert, so it's, like, December in Michigan. And uh, my, we went, my dad and I went to load the harp out to go to rehearsal, and we're like, got the convertible. 
So we like <laughs> the harp and the convertible sticking out. Yeah. <laughs> You're holding out like to all it. blankets <laughs> and the windows rolled up on the side yeah, and the yeah. heat cranking. And uh, yeah, you have to flying take, down it, the it's highway. Good. You have to take care of it I in know. cold weather, right? It's crazy. I remember having a boyfriend once who was really good on the guitar, and he remembered that he'd left his guitar in the car, and it was nighttime, and he's like, I got to go. And he had to go out to the car and collect his guitar and bring it back inside. 100%. It, it couldn't be out there. Well, in right. here, I mean, Savannah, it's crazy because it got north. I feel like a lot of weddings happen indoors for mm-hmm. some reason, but down here, it's just so much outdoor wedding yes. stuff to the point that... We have temperature regulations in our contracts, but ultimately, oh, yeah, you know, try to make it work. But yeah, my poor heart. Maybe you need a fan like pointed at it and stuff, yeah. right? It's it's to the point where you're like, I can't retune in the middle of a wedding, right? No. But like the harp is very harpists are known as you're always tuning. Like yes, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like it I feel like harp speaking. and banjo are like we're constantly. Tuning. Oh, interesting. They're just like a delicate little creature. Mm-hmm. I know. Wow. Okay, so can I ask you, what is the difference between New Orleans jazz and gypsy jazz? Uh, New Orleans jazz is just, like, straightforward. Like, I mean, it's not straightforward jazz, but, like, horn, like, zydeco almost, like, elements. Gypsy jazz is going to be European, so Stefan Grappelli, um, Django Reinhardt. So the... What, I don't know what that was. Okay, so sorry. Jane, Jane <laughs> I Reinhardt, feel like I'm probably speaking for most people. That's yeah. okay. No, no, no. Jane Reinhardt, um, he was a guitarist. He was a gypsy himself. And he was traveling with his family in a caravan. And there was a fire. And he lost all but two of his fingers. Wow. And he figured out, he adapted a way to play guitar. So for the listeners, just yeah. Google or look up a video and see Jane Reinhardt. Um the D is silent, just like Django Unchained or any other <laughs> Django reference. But um, see how he had, he adapted and figured out a way to play guitar. Um, and then Savon Caprelli was violinist. And um, it, it's just a very different vibe. And I tell people all the time, and I feel the same way about bluegrass, even if you don't know that you like it, Everyone likes it. It's, it's like fun. in it's our very soul. Positive. It's in our yeah. heart. It's in our soul. Yeah. You connect to it. It just makes you happy. Yeah, it makes you want to dance um, around. So, but basically, so there were soldiers, like soldiers that came from the United States over to Europe during the First World War. Okay. Had instruments, had like their jazz, like the traditional jazz, like early on stages. For like morale of the soldiers. Or just a hobby, even. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Just like, hey, let's play some horns. And then you have the Europeans being like, huh, I like that. I want to emulate that. <coughs> and then, so now, because they called it European redneck music. Oh. But basically, so now you have Americans emulating Europeans who are already trying to emulate Americans from the beginning. So they turned it into their own. And a lot of, of okay. some soldiers stayed in, especially in France. And so they developed this whole, this new style of, of playing jazz music. So there's the gypsy jazz. I love reference. this. Well, it's fascinating. So, yeah. Um, let's see. I wanted to ask you, so I have just seen you perform. We're going to stick in, I'm going to stick in a few of your songs that you just played. So okay. Kristen has a regular gig, you guys, that she plays at the Marshall House every other Wednesday and she plays her harp and she plays like a mix of 
classic rock and pop and classical things and things. So some of the bands that she just played are Metallica, Frank Sinatra, Fleetwood Mac, Prince. Very cool. Mm. And I recorded some clips, so we're going to play this for you, too. Um, has there ever been any uh, requests that have just really... Like, what's kind of a crazy request you've ever gotten? Something that flummoxes you? Yep. And you have these binders full of... I know. ...of music to play. It's ridiculous. I should at least alphabetize them. Um, it's... She's amazing. She's a, so she's a sight reader. So she hasn't <laughs> memorized these thousands of songs. She's flipping through these binders and finds a song and then just, like, is reading it as she plays the harp. It's really incredible. Well, it's not... I mean, I've read it before, so okay. it's not true sight reading. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't give me too much credit. But, um, no, I mean, sometimes there's certain songs that are just not... would not work for the harp. Like, when yeah. people want me to play Bohemian Rhapsody. And like it's you, yeah, somebody requested Fleetwood Mac tonight. You said most of their songs are kind of like boring instrumental. Instrumentally, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Just like, as honestly, like Coldplay has great songs, but their lyrics are what make Coldplay songs great. Like it's okay. really four chords over and over and over and over again. Just like Bittersweet Symphony would be very, very yeah. boring instrumentally. But yeah, people still want it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe they have like a nostalgia with that. What was the movie? <laughs> With um oh cruel intentions yeah cruel intentions yeah yes very good so whatever and I mean again my job is not to judge other people's tastes you know I'm going to try to honor requests to the best of my ability but I also want to reserve the right to not unintentionally sound boring or crappy yeah you know know, from experience what's gonna work yeah yeah exactly but you know some of the best some songs that I end up loving a lot are requests from people. I wouldn't have thought of myself. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh. I would have requested, I thought of requesting Faith No More. Do you have any songs by Faith No No. More? No. Okay. Or Blondie, maybe? maybe? No. All right, maybe in the future. Yeah. (laughs) They're all good options. (laughs) How did you get this Marshall House gig? Man, so it was over six years ago, um, Caitlin, who you just met um, earlier, who's the current GM of the Marshall House now, she was over at the Keel House. So for those of you that don't know, like the Marshall House is owned by um, two couples and they also own the Keel House, the Gastoni and the Liza Thompson House. Oh. And I did not know that. They are lovely, wonderful people. Absolutely amazing. So um anyways, they reached out to me and so we I started playing like two nights a week, Mondays and Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And then they started having me book other musicians for Friday nights and then also for two of their other properties. Amazing. And so here we are. Here we are. And it's great. And they're amazing. They have been just, I can't begin to tell you the number of beautiful, mind-blowing experiences that have happened in that space that you just experienced. Yeah, in the lobby of the Marshall House. The parlor. The parlor. The parlor. The lobby, too, probably. No, it is the parlor. (laughs) That makes it sound like Clue, which I love. It does. It does. With the candlestick or whatever. Um, Okay, so we're going to take a short station break, and then we'll be back. Thank you. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, the impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. 
trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 F. Back to the interview, but first, here are a few clips of Kristen's heart performance. Arts on the Air. This is Tamara, and I have local harpist Kristen King with me. Welcome back. Um, so I have just sat with her at her regular every other Wednesday at Marshall House gig. Um, and it, Kristen, you have to do a thing. It's like very, it's almost like stand-up comedians, where it's a room <laughs> full of people. They're all staying at this hotel, and they're like talking to you, and they're bantering, and they're requesting things, and you are doing literally like asking them where they're from and talking to them about that. And you really have to like work the crowd, which mm-hmm. seems like a very common musicians like you have a lot of banter with people and it's not yeah. like you're on a stage with a microphone you no. know, or just talking to them so the, I mean you do a really good job at this I know you've been doing this for years thank you. you talk a little bit about that? yeah no uh I've never had a gig like this before to be honest um and it kind of evolved I guess in very organic ways so when I first started at the Marshall House um the quote unquote wine and cheese host they don't do cheese anymore, not since COVID. Just wine. Just wine, which we've, is fine. We've both got wine. It's fine. <laughs> um, you know, they, they went through a number of different staff members to kind of be, like, the host. And 
at one point, um, even 40, they partnered with Fortify Bistro, and a couple of their line cooks were coming in and being, like, the host. And one of those guys, Rico, is, like, one of my good friends still to this day, and he still is at the bistro. He's my boy. But it wasn't... It was just kind of like a, a functionality situation. It wasn't until we got Wayne. Okay. Wayne is the man. And for all the local Savannians, <laughs> come crash my gig at the Marshall House just <laughs> to meet Wayne. Yeah. Because he is the bomb. He's amazing. And um, He's a downtown institution. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, he worked at Huey's for a long time. And then he ended up being over here full time. And he does trivia um, like he hosts trivia. Hosts trivia yeah. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And he lives downtown, which he is increasingly so he walks to work. unusual. It's great. And technically, the gig is for Marshall House guests, but you've come to visit, you know, a I am crashing, times. I'm crashing and, gig. you know, I had a friend in from D.C. a couple weeks ago, and she came, and a couple of my friends popped in. <laughs> you know, so it's fine. Wayne loves it. It's all good. Like, you know, um, if I have clients that are in from out of town and they want to plan their wedding music for you know through our company yeah hey meet you down there this is your garbage drink at 45 bistro afterwards and talk through stuff like it's a very organic way of um doing that those next planning steps but um it really wasn't until Wayne like I finally I was like oh my gosh I feel like I have this like I'm Johnny Carson or I'm talking like I have my music at but ironically like Wayne is not the music person and the quote unquote main person is me, but I'm the music person. So yeah. it's kind of opposite of like the late night talk you're show. Keeping, host yeah, you're thing. keeping control of the room. You're doing the music. You're bantering. But with people. he and I can go back and forth. Yeah. And like, if people want me, you know, they request a song, and it takes me a minute to, as you mentioned, these binders of music that I have to write right. through. And Wayne has not joke alphabetized. In the meantime, yeah. Wayne has like a good like dad joke. because yeah. you guys have been doing joke. this for years together. Yeah, and cool. it's great. And we just like I can literally look at him. And yeah. it's like he knows what I'm thinking. And it's awesome. And I can't imagine, like, if he ever decides to move on to somewhere else, like, I don't, oh. I can't even imagine anyone filling that role. Yeah. Like, it's that great. Yeah. It's really that great. And he is so thoughtful and he remembers my friends and my friends instantly connect with him. It's just everyone's family. Yeah. And it's awesome. So, so I want to ask you, so I think, I feel like other musicians, you know, they have gigs around town at restaurants and things, but you, you're, it's a harp. So you do mostly private events, right. weddings and like corporate things, yes. I would imagine. Yep. Yeah. So, um, not a ton of places for people to see you around town, but you do, you have a, you have a CD people can buy. I do have a CD and even if, you know, you don't have a CD player anymore, it is on Spotify and on Amazon and on Apple Music and on Pandora. Yeah. Um, and I will post your links to things in the you. Facebook event. Yeah, and it is under my maiden name, Gustafson. Okay. But um, it's called Resonating, and it has some yeah. original tracks, some classical, some Irish stuff. It's just, honestly, it's just really peaceful. And um, I, as much of a perfectionist that I am in most aspects of my life, and probably should have been with that um it was kind of just a side project that I just wanted to do and Kevin Rose um who owned Elevated Basement he mastered it it's great I borrowed recording equipment from Jackson oh. and I was actually recorded yeah. it myself um and then over a year like almost well no two years ago I started getting like 
larger amounts of money deposited into my account, and yeah. then like every month I started getting like anywhere from seven hundred to thirteen hundred dollars, and they were all streams. And that's an amazing amount per stream. Right? I get zero point zero zero one four cent. Okay, so that's hundreds of thousands. Did you find of out where all this Russia was from? Russia. Okay, and what was is paid by Yandex, which is if you like. If you Google Yandex, it's like the Russian Google. But when the Russian-Ukraine conflict happened and then we stopped accepting any of their funds, it all dried oh. up. Do you know why it started? Why you started no clue. this? No clue. No. I think I my only guess is that I was picked up, like I was brought into a catalog of okay. something. And maybe I'm on elevator like in elevators, hold call music. I don't oh. know, but it's like a whole lot of streams. Wow. And I'm like, I did not create this animal. I don't know how to feed this animal, whatever. But That's I'm hoping that maybe one day when there's peace between Russia and the Ukraine and Russia and the rest of the world, that maybe I will get some backlog pay. Because <laughs> in general, like people aren't, like musicians are not making any money on streams at all, right? It's uh, I mean, again, it's a really small amount to add up to anything significant. So yeah. this was kind of like, I mean, I, I pinched myself. Every month that I get an email from CD Baby, you and have funds. I'm like, yeah. what? Crazy. Really? Again? <laughs> I want to ask you, this is completely separate, but a few years ago, I went to this uh, performance and it was on Halloween night and it was in yeah, the funeral yeah, home. Yeah, at Bonaventure. Okay, two Bonaventure. Were you there? No. Okay. But I saw it because it was featured on um, Connect and, yeah, the twins. Yeah, so it's these female twins. I think they were like blonde hair oh, and they totally. wore black and they yep. were like dueling harpists mm-hmm. and they played like heavy Zelda. metal. They like heavy metal music like at each other. Like mm-hmm. dueling harpists. It was very cool. Is this like a super known thing in your field? Um, I don't know because I actually don't have many harpist friends. Okay. No, oh. but they were national. Like, they were touring and they were... Oh, no, no, no. They were international. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But in my field, I mean, I don't know yeah. a lot of purpose that would know of them necessarily. The reason why I knew about them was because um, my friend, oh, this this gentleman, Brian, who used to live here, he had a harp and he took lessons from me. And his whole goal, he just wanted to play, like, game, like, Zelda and, like, like video game um, yeah, yeah. music on the harp. And I'm like, absolutely, I would love to teach you. And we literally would drink wine during his lessons. It yeah. was great. He lived downtown, like, on Huntington Street, had an adorable little whippet dog, and it was just great. And he would always be like, look at the twins. <laughs> so that's how I first learned about them. Okay. And, like, you watch their videos, and it's just, like, they're all up in costume, and they're very, like, melodramatic. Yeah, they're, it was like, a real performance. Actions. Like, it's a true performance. What is their name again? Wow, I can't remember. Uh, I'll look for it. I'll stick it in the liner notes. But also, their names rhyme. But also, I felt like like so they were on a big tour, and Savannah had got it was Halloween night when they played, right. which I felt like was a real coup for us. Like obviously, we were their main. Right. Like that's cool. They're playing at the funeral home. Yep. Yeah, it was a yep. great show. I think it's totally fine. It is interesting. So Melissa and I, this is I guess this is our fifth show we're doing, and so far it's come up in every single show. This element of like whether people are introvert versus extrovert, mm-hmm. and this idea of, I guess for authors and fine artists, where you're making the work alone, right. and then you have to go out in public and kind of shop it around and see so you have to push through and like be extroverted and talk a lot. For musicians, I guess you're not even necessarily practicing. Alone. No, you're, you're creating usually practicing it on the, the spot. Yeah. yeah, so the whole thing. And then, and Jackson talked about this is interesting, just like the art of the hang, and like being able to hang out after gigs and talk to people and the networking, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, so you consider yourself to be an extrovert. Like, 100%. Like you perform and then you don't have to go home and chill out. You just still yeah. are excited. Absolutely. Yeah. And definitely take energy from other people. But I think over the years I've like learned, um, I guess I, to be honest, I look back like, when I first moved to Savannah, I still remember a couple times leaving a gig and having to decompress but I think it's because I probably felt like an entitled 26-year-old kid that wasn't used to being what we call wallpaper, like a wallpaper gig, like background music, and, oh. like, nobody giving... Yeah, to- they were just speaking very loudly over it. Yeah, and, and whatever. And at the end of the day, ultimately, once you reconcile with yourself, like... I'm doing this job. I'm getting paid the same thing whether someone talks to me or doesn't talk to me, whether yeah. people listen to me or not listen to me. If someone does give me some feedback or says something nice or anything, added bonus, right? Yeah. So if your, like, base expectation is that, then you're fine. Yeah. You know? So I think you you learn over the years what's a reasonable thing to expect after a gig. And then I think when you are mentally prepared for how that is going to happen yeah it's great to be able to just roll with whatever happens and then adjust and it's kind of just blips to be and honest it, yeah as you get older I mean you've done so many more gigs so there's so much more data in your head that right. blends together so much more to think about and then just as you get older you just you know take things less personally mm-hmm. and are less worried about other people looking at you in absolutely general. yeah and um also, not feeling like you have to prove anything. Yeah, to absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I feel. I mean, as as far as me, like being a fine artist and selling my art at the beginning, it's nerve wracking, and every sale is like make or break, and you're wondering if you're going to be okay. Sure. And now I've been selling my art for years, and so you know I've sold like literally thousands and thousands of prints or whatever. I'm not super stressed about whether people like it or whether people are going right. to buy it. I know they are. Right. And I'm sure for you it's the same. Yeah. No. And I think you know, like we were saying before about consumers and perceived value at this point it's well this is what this is what it's worth to me this is what the price is if you're not interested um that's cool you can set your line down and they can take it or leave it yeah Yeah. and and to be confident about that direction that even that new arts is going in um you know, over the years. And this is your arts management company. Yeah, New Arts Ensembles. So we just celebrated this year's our 20th anniversary wow. of our business. And, um, you know, we've grown proportionate. We've grown, um, we've kept things to scale in terms of keeping things at a very professional level. And like I was telling you before, um, before we started the interview, you know, I'm not the type of person, neither is Ricardo, we're not going to book something just for the sake of booking something. We're very authentic with our representation and yeah. our artists. And, you know, one of the best parts about my job is I love I get to write checks to my friends. And these are people that, you know, were not necessarily friends before I started booking them. And then over the years, we've become friends, just like, I mean, yeah. and Jackson. Yeah. You know, they're really like my family here. So this and is, you and Ricardo have this company where people come to you and you book, book musical events for them. Right. So yeah. everything from jazz, bluegrass, classical, 
flamenco, bossa nova, yeah. reception bands, just not DJs. Right. Um, I live love music. DJs, but, you know, it's just not what we do. We just do live music. Um, so a lot of corporate events as well, and um, a lot of one-offs. I mean, and, of course, brides or weddings are usually, you know, not repeat clients. Right. Unless it's But they'll, they'll tell other people. They'll tell yeah, 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 yeah. Is this, do you like, um, so the balance that you have of doing your own music and then also having this business during the day, do you like this balance you have right now? Is there a different direction you want to go in? No, I, um, well, hmm. sometimes, sometimes the smallest contracts end up being the most taxing. Oh, for sure. And. Yeah, that's true in art too. You look back and you're like, Yeah. What? Whereas. The corporate events, like they're like, cool. Where do I sign? Yeah, like there's no neg- like they have so to much negotiate. money to throw around. Yeah, and they're, they're not that. And again, we don't change oriented. our prices based on who the client is. Like our rates are our rates are our rates, right? And I always tell people, I'm like, I'm gonna do. I would like to think, and I am going to strive to do the same job that I would do playing for someone on the street versus the president. Like. Right. I'm still, it's the same service that I'm providing. So why should our rates be fluid? Yeah. And I don't have the bandwidth to keep in, like, in my head who has fluid rates and who doesn't. I feel like, yeah, this is... These are our rates. That's it. It's a good, I mean, just a lesson or, like, to any up-and-coming creative person. But at the beginning, you have to accept everything, and then you get to know, like, you can tell from the beginning when people first reach out to you that they're going to be a problem client. Right. And you have to just... Like Shut it down. You have, yeah, you have to just say no. You, you eventually, you get to where you can just like say no to jobs, and, and that is amazing. This, thank you. Yeah. This is not the right fit. Yeah, it just be polite. And it's and just so say no. empowering. But you can tell you from the beginning that. when people are really, really picky at the very beginning, and you can tell. It's, it's it's always when somebody's a really small client, and you mm-hmm. know you're going to be making such a small amount of money, right. and they're going to be so persnickety. Whereas, yeah, like you said, these big corporate things, they have a ton of money. They're not super artistic, so they're not super detail-oriented about it. They're just going to let you do your thing. I think that is the exact same in fine art as well. Yeah, and also, like, are you are you trusting yourself that you are hiring professionals? Right. Then you should trust that you have hired professionals and let them do their yeah, job. Yeah, they need to right? you. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, totally. And so I think there's that confidence. I mean, one of the best compliments I recently had, which... Um, just it, it made me feel really good. Uh, Georgia Power has conferences here on a regular basis, at least once a year, and I've been doing stuff for them for a number of years. And um, I got an email from the event person, and he's like, "Hey, we're doing our event again. Fix on the river. Please tell me you're available to make us look really good to Aww. all of our people. Aww. And honestly, it's like one of those gigs where every time I play it, I swear I'm like, no one talks to me during the gig. No one. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, I guess I don't care. And yeah. then the second I'm done, I like swoon. And they're like, oh, you took me down memory lane through all the <laughs> decades and generations of the music I loved. And this was amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Like, so it's just, it's funny. Like not everybody expresses things the same way. Right. right? right, right. Um, but they really but, appreciate it. But when you start getting repeat corporate events, that, yeah, that's to a me, good that, that is way more valuable than um, like a repeat ride. <laughs> 
I think you have that many repeat buying clients. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I... I like care. Liz Taylor on her seventh wedding. Well, right, Okay. Right. I care more about, like, those types of gigs because, A, they're stress-free. Yeah. There's no negotiating. It's great. I love it. Yeah. And... And even I love when I get to send musicians to corporate gigs like that. That's like, interesting. That's like really almost great. like a dirty little secret. Um, yeah. I do want to ask you briefly. So you've been you've lived in Savannah for years. Can you tell us a little bit about how you think maybe Savannah has changed as far as the music scene, and if you think it's like trending in a good way? Or? Well, I do think that over the past couple of years, um, I think Mark probably could mention this too, but um, Mark Chesnow. Mark Chesnow is our intro and outro music, everyone. Oh, yay. <laughs> uh, he's also a fabulous bassist uh, and wonderful friend of both of ours. Um, but there's been kind of some influx of musicians from, like, New York. Okay. Um, and I think over COVID, like, people just getting sick of being in a bigger city. Yeah. And um, they've migrated down here. And I guess this is what I would say about music in general. Uh, it does not discriminate it's like the one thing that transcends the crap that divides people whether it be socioeconomic language barriers whatever it is education like i mean but i can play freaking purple rain on the harp and yeah. bring like i've had people in tears in that yeah. room over purple rain like big scottish dudes that probably shouldn't <laughs> be crying like that are beside themselves like what you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and so, like, music is, like, and, and I think art, too, it, you know, it's, it's an equalizing, there's an equalizing element that just, like, levels the playing field and connects people. So, I think that the music community in Savannah, in particular, has always been supportive of themselves. You know, Jackson had a bad cycling wreck, I don't know, five years ago. Yeah. And everyone rallied around him there. We did a big fundraiser at Rancho. And then when we talk about the Savannah Music Festival and how that's evolved over the years, I mean, there's a lot of layers going on. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I want to ask you, thank you so much. We have, um, Melissa and I usually have a few questions we ask at the end that's like our Inside the Actors TV okay. questions. And I, I, I remember mine. Hopefully I remember hers and do them justice. But Okay. My first one is if you're walking down the street and you have some theme music playing in your head to motivate yourself as you go what, mm. what would that be it's probably going to be a bc boy song oh okay like so what is it no slip till brooklyn what you want <laughs> i think it's okay it's bc boys but i do like no sleep till brooklyn cool um anything off of license to Ill probably no but not brass monkey <laughs> and not girls okay but I'm a big Paul Revere fan, and I like Paul's Boutique, but I, Ill Communication, oh, yeah. I love that album, but License Ill in general. Okay. But No Sleep Till Brooklyn is a good option. That's what I would think of. Okay. Um, okay. Melissa's question, she has a question, um, in your field, is there a really iconic person that you look toward that's been such an inspiration? So, there's a lot of, there's a couple people, if you want to go, like, the classical route, um, um, Salzado is like the grand one of the grandfathers of harp. So there's the school of thought uh, and technique of Salzado, Carlos Salzado, and then Grangene. But um, Joanna Newsome, if oh. you're familiar with her, yeah, yeah, like totally. she, I feel like she was, you know, gosh, back in 2000, 2002, 2004, like really 
making waves with the harp. And then when you look at like Florence and the Machine, they have a harpist. Oh, I didn't know that. Part of their band. Um, and so I always think it's important, like what like one of the most common things I get at the Marshall House comments from from guests is I didn't know the harp could sound like that. I didn't know you could do that. Because most people, I think, think that the harp is just doing, like, the glissando, like, up and down, like, you know, whatever, like, the heaven sound, whatever okay. you want to call it. And it's a very versatile instrument, and you can do a lot with it. And I just think a lot of people, have, like, don't get the opportunity to hear a solo harp. My, my question, I also wanted to ask, if you weren't doing what you were doing, do you have a second-choice career that you would have Well, it's interesting because... I didn't plan on doing this. Uh, even my major in music was secondary. I started off, I picked Loyola Chicago for their med school or pre-med school. And it wasn't until the middle of my sophomore year, I was like, yeah, I'm not really digging organic chemistry. Let's turn my music minor into a major and get a business degree just because I loved finance. And was that a pun about music with the minor and then the major? No, but that's good. It's amazing, right? <gasps> oh, they made, made a pun. Hey. <laughs> and, um, and then I got, you know, that psych minor, but I really wasn't playing. Growing up, I was told, if you want to make a living as a harpist, you have to be in a symphony. Yeah. And to me, you know, most symphonies, well, all symphonies, there's one principal harpist. Yeah. It's not even that full time. So I'm like, I don't want to get stuck somewhere. And I don't, it just, it was not my passion at all. So basically, Ricardo presented something to me that ended up encapsulating, like, all the things that I love in, like, the perfect balance. Um, if I wasn't doing this, I, you know, I had to have a marketing um, position with a property management company that I've been doing for five years, um, just because I could fit it into my flexible schedule, yeah. and it works. Um, and then the final question, this is Melissa's question, she, you know, own, co-owns eShaver Books, so she always asks, is there a book that has had a huge impact on your life? The Alchemist. Okay. Yeah, it, it might sound cliche, but I read it my freshman year of college, and it was kind of mind-blowing for me, and being at a Jesuit school, uh, for those of you that don't know, Jesuits, it's an order of Catholicism, um, but the author um, definitely has more of like a spiritual awareness outlook, and then, to be honest, even more so than The Alchemist, a book called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. And he is a a mystic Jesuit. Um, That book actually was probably even more important to me. And it really is just being aware of what is going on. Be honest with yourself, like really having that personal awareness it, it's a great book yeah awareness anthony DeMello. fantastic well thank you kristen thank king you everyone so i will post links in our website and facebook group and like you said if anybody wants to in small groups crash your wednesday night discreetly yeah and don't be obnoxious contact kristen king about crashing her <laughs> wednesday harp show thank you so much thank you Hey, this is Tamara Garvey. I am at the home studio of my friend Michelle Perez. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of (laughs) course. Thanks for being had on our show. (laughs) 
This is my first time coming to your house and seeing your studio. This is so lovely. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started working from home? Thank you so much for visiting. Um, I started out around the time that I started to go to the park and sell art at the park. Uh, I quit my job at the time and decided to become a full-time artist. Okay. Yeah. How long ago was that? That was in 2018, I think. Okay. 2018. So you've been doing this full-time for four years now? Yes. <laughs> um, has your, uh, how was it transitioning into working from home and just being your own boss? Initially, I was working on a lot of commissions, which is something that I just stopped doing this year. Mm. Uh, working from home was very hard at first. Mm -hmm. It was hard to get used to. It's hard to ignore all the little things in the house. But I had to just, you know, condition myself to turn a blind eye to the laundry and the kitchen sometimes just yeah. so I can focus. Uh, I usually, I haven't been doing this lately, but initially I had a... I would wake up at a certain time, I had set hours, I would walk the dogs at a certain time, and I would finish my day at a certain time Okay. because it was too easy for me to work all day. Yes. Um, so that took time. That was a learning curve. Yeah. Uh, these days, I've been trying to be a little more flexible in following my creative drive, so I paint when I want to. When I want to take breaks, I try to. Um, I try to work on my sketchbook, which is something that is completely new to me. Oh. I've never worked on a sketchbook. And if I have, it's just been like loose doodles of ideas with writing, more of like a journal slash sketchbook. Okay. Yeah, and that, that I think is really important too, and that's become part of my studio practice. So you're focusing, it's like a whole separate just realm of your artwork is just doing sketchbook work. Well, I've never had the opportunity to focus on what I wanted to do. I've worked for other people as an illustrator. I've made commissions, and I have been doing commissions for a long time. And then when I started making art for myself, which was the landscape painting, and initially that was, um, I did it as a way to relax and go outside mm, yeah. and just like see the light. Yeah, you love working on site. Yeah, it's relaxing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, initially my art, so I used to make, um, uh, I was making commissions and then I had the plein air paintings which I began to sell, mm -hmm. and that accidentally also became work. Okay. And so this is the first time in my life I ever have the opportunity to take a little bit of time in between what I consider to be work to find myself, whether that is through a sketch that I turn into a painting or just following an idea, Yeah. which I wasn't brave enough to do before because I would have to think, can I sell this? Yeah. Is anybody going to like it? And now I can take that time now and then and explore whether I do it through paint or sketchbooks. So the the reason that you now feel like you have extra time is it because you are in a like you're in a bunch of places around town and you just have things selling Absolutely. all the time. Absolutely, it's like you just have your business. Absolutely, yeah. it is because of the local support that yeah. I have received. It is <laughs> insane. This city is crazy. I love it. Uh, it started out with the art museum, the Jepson Center. Yeah, the gift shop. Yeah, they started selling my work and. It's just a day that I don't have to go to the... And I love going to the park to sell art. I do, and I miss it when I don't. Yeah. But it does give me time to, to explore or to make more paintings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I just started to get into shops. I'm I, so excited. <laughs> I know just what you mean. I used to... When I lived in New York, I, um, I wasn't 
able to ever get into a lot of shops the way I wanted to and I was trying and yeah, like sending cold call emails yeah. but so I had to like basically I was making money I would either go to Central Park and sell live but mostly I was just in craft shows every weekend so every weekend Saturday and Sunday selling and it's really physically hard and yeah you like have to be there a certain yeah. times so it was emotionally exhausting too yeah it's very because you might you know, show up and you don't know what's going to happen if, if it's not a great day that's not, devastating it's going and, to rain or not but yeah, when I moved here and was able to eventually get into a lot of places to sell, then it does make it where like your things are just selling in multiple places all the time without you being there. It really opens it yeah, up. It just started. That just started happening. So um, like how recently you feel? Like, well, the Jepson Center, I think it started last year. Was it last year? Okay. Maybe a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, I think it was a year and a half ago. And then Location Gallery, I've been working with them for yeah, been off in and on. Shows, yeah. Um, but the locally made was very recently. That was just less yeah, than a month ago. Yeah, that was great. I think. And then uh, Sulphur Studios also. They I mean they changed recently a lot too. Now they have a little shop in the front. Okay. And they also just started selling some of my stuff. So it's not oh, okay. I'm not out there too much. And then uh, there's also GCD Furnishing on Columbia Square. Okay. Well, yeah. You just you need like a bunch of places yeah, around. Yeah. And then, <laughs> at Sulphur, do they have originals for you or prints? Or both? They have prints. They have prints. I might start giving them some ceramics, but I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm not very confident in my ceramics. I do it for fun, yeah. but then I can't keep everything, and I can only give so much away as gifts. Do you want some? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I might. I might give them some ceramics. Well, eventually. Michelle, this is wonderful. We'd love to have you on to talk to you more fully about Yay! this in the future. But this was a great little blip just to hear about how you've been able to transition into working from home full-time and now even this, like, new level of it where you don't have to focus on making things to sell face-to-face all the time. So Yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah. I am very grateful. It's something for everybody to look forward to in their Absolutely. career. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been <laughs> a pleasure. You. Thank you for visiting my studio. Yay! <laughs> Here are some fun and creative events happening around Savannah this week. Saturday, August 20th from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Savannah Cultural Arts Center, the Deep Center will be hosting a free album release party celebrating the debut of their newest slam book, The Balance, a poetry book and album features the incredible work of talented local youth. Also Saturday, August 20th from 4 to 7 p.m., there will be a reception at Sulphur Studios for Jennifer Nolan. Sunday, August 21st, There's a monthly concert series uh, featuring Jocelyn Gould, a Canadian jazz guitarist, at the Weston Savannah Harbor. She'll be accompanied by Brett Bellinger, a jazz bass guitarist, and Jackson Evans, jazz guitarist and vocalist. Through August 27th at Sulphur Studios, there's an exhibit called Entanglements. It's a duo exhibition by Matt Toole and Ruth Sykes. Through September 30th, Uh, There's a mobile art gallery at the W.W. Law Library. It's an art show called Past Presence, commemorating Juneteenth. Um, There's more info on that on Sulphur Studios' site. And then every Wednesday from 5 to 8 p.m., Super Bloom has free watercolor supplies so you can paint while you have wine. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.